Yo, and we're live on Beat People Podcast 79. Uh, I'm your host, B-Boy Tech, with your host, Ken Flux Pierce. And we got a couple special guests here today. We're talking to Aaron Higgins of 1010 Music, uh, you know, Bitbox, Black Box, Blue Box, and uh, just a myriad of dope boxes, your rack effects and uh, uh, tool set. So um, I'm excited to get into this and talk about the blue box and, and all these other things. And um, I'm happy to have Fest Grandios up in here. And y'all may know him from Reverb or from uh, live performance around the internet and such. So yo, let's get into it right after this. Hey, 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 hey. How's everybody? Good. How are you? Good, good. Good to have you, Aaron. It's been a while. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's uh, go around the table. Ken, you good? Uh, I mean, I was just telling you about how I burnt some of my hair off <laughs> outside just a little bit it's ago. Got but plenty left. Other than that, I'm doing okay. I mean, it's, yeah, you got, you got more left, but, but I, I suggest if you're going to do it again, at least make a field recording of it. Oh, man. I'm just <laughs> glad that it, honestly, I'm just glad that I don't smell it because usually when you burn your hair up, it, you know, that's all you smell for like a week. But uh, no, I got, I got a little bit lucky. So it was outside. And yeah, but yeah, man, I've been doing okay and very, very busy times. Uh, I'm happy to see Aaron and Fess on here, man. Yeah, yeah, Fess, you good? Fess. Uh-oh. We may have to get Fess to reconnect. Well, hey, listen. <laughs> let's, let's keep it moving. <laughs> let's keep it moving. And so let's uh, stop and say what's up to everybody out in the chat. Uh, we got HR Terra, Studio Don. Uh, we got Christine Higgins. Um Oh yeah, Fest jumped off, dropped off. He'll be back in. Trabarsi, yeah, yeah. So, um, Aaron, while we kind of wait for Fest to reconnect, I'm interested to let's talk about 1010 Music and kind of a bit of the origin. How'd you all get started and uh, come into doing this thing? That's 1010 Music. Yeah, um, it's kind of a long story, but let me try and. So, oh yeah, you, you're so good. You um, can... Let's see. So I was working at Native Instruments in uh, two, 2015 and like eager to try something new and different. So I, I left to start a new venture. Um, I initially played or played around with with Minecraft. My kids really into it at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a if you've played it, it's a virtual world based on cubes. And my first inspiration was to build the synthesizer in Minecraft, which was a lot of fun, but incredibly not useful. I mean, it was something that I enjoyed making, but you know, people were not really interested. Um, so I then came to realize that hardware was taking off at that point. And so I took a lot of the work that I built in terms of, of custom synthesizer and sampling and, you know, previous work I'd done on, you know, time stretching and beats and whatnot, and, um, decided that the world needed a, a touchscreen sampler in Eurorack. It seemed like that was, Eurorack continues to grow, but at that time, 2015, it seemed like a perfect opportunity to do something digital, um, to build something that sort of complemented all the analog stuff in the world or right. things that were, you know, still had knobs. Nothing really had a, very few things had a screen, almost yeah. nothing had a touch screen. Um, so, you know, building a sampler, uh, based on stuff I'd learned doing iOS apps and, and other things, uh, you know, that's 
was the inspiration was to steal all the best ideas from plugins and from um, apps and put them into modules and, and see how far we could take that. And eventually that became something that morphed from the Eurorack world into tabletop products, which is some of the stuff you've got in front of you today. Uh, and that's also been an interesting you know world to explore because yeah, there's there's a move towards dedicated hardware and tabletop gear, but but still, in effect, we're building computers with lots of software in them. So it's it's still a delicate balance of trying to build a product as opposed to just writing a bunch of software. As I think you've done a good job, and I think the idea of a touchscreen anything in Eurorack was pretty brilliant and ballsy, quite frankly. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I still think. Um, if, if a product design person brought to my attention like a few years ago, like, hey, let's put a screen and the connections on the same panel, like that just seems stupid. But that's, you know, that's how your rack works. You've got one service for both. But yeah, thank you. And I mean, it, it, it's, it's brilliant. And, it, and um, I mean, I see Bitbox stuff in a lot of racks, <laughs> quite frankly. And I do think that it's helped, you know, in general, samplers in your rack has kind of revolutionized live performance with, with your right. You know what I mean? And I think Bitbox is having a lot to do with that. It just seemed like something that, you know, back when we started was, was underrepresented and, you know, sampling's an important part as of course you guys know, mm -hmm. um, you can do so much with it. I mean, we've then taken that into things like granular synthesis and added on more to facts and that kind of stuff, but there's just so much you can do with bits and having a screen to be able to manipulate stuff in real time or with a MIDI controller, like there's just, the, the thing I love most about Eurorack is that it's an opportunity to build your own instrument. And, and Eurorack is very much of a cottage industry with lots of different companies doing pretty much whatever they want. And mm -hmm. it gives you, know, you guys, the musicians of the world, the chance to build something completely unique. Yeah, And we're happy to be a part of that. Right. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> just, the, just, just the entire environment and you just, uh, extending that with the tabletop device. I flipped when I first saw Black Box. I jumped on it like immediately and was lucky enough to get one of your like first runs. And I mean, what can I say? You keep updating the thing. The thing is amazing. Like I, I carry it around. I actually keep it tucked away because I got a, a one-year-old running around right now and she can pick it up and toss it. But um, yeah, it's, 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 it's awesome. And I enjoy the... Uh, the community that you've built with it and you're pretty active with the Facebook group as well. Um, so it's like, as soon as we start getting loud about a new feature or whatever, usually you implement that. So it's very awesome. Yeah. I mean, having the opportunity to change the software is both a blessing and a curse, but yeah, I mean, we've done a lot of things in response <laughs> to the users and you know, we're, we're back, we've you know finished up the blue box and now we're back working on some black box stuff but there's you know no shortage of ideas and in fact it's like almost overwhelming of like it's constant you know wish list you know over there's just it never gets shorter what prompted you to jump to the blue box just like was it because my first impression of it was that a lot of people were getting in the black box to just try to either record full songs or play full songs and was that the response with the blue box or did you already have that in mind that's something we, we we had in mind for quite some time. I mean, I was always inspired by the the uh, live jam scenario or the sort of impromptu jam, like you know, bring three people together, let them run wild, maybe clock some stuff together, and you you know, at the end of it, if you, and you if I recorded it several times and it became clear to me and others who brought this to my attention that you've got you know a mix down, and if you want, you've got like forty five mil minutes 
a mix with like a really cool seven minute song spread out over 45 minutes yeah. and the only chance you have to like get that down to something useful and worth listening to again is to break out the stems and cut things mm -hmm. and rearrange things and so it was you know inspired by that like you need that multi-track mix and i used a computer a few times to do that and that's okay but now you're like dragging an interface and a computer and you often don't have enough table space for it so that was really the genesis was to build something that could both do the mixing and do the multi-track recording um, i mean the key difference between black box and blue box is blue box has six stereo inputs black box has one so there's a you know fundamental hardware difference um you know digital mixing you know it was for the longest time it seemed wow. kind of why would you do that like there, there's enough mixers in the world um we were inspired by the fact that so few line mixers exist so few mixers are focused on synthesizers you know practically every mixer you pick up has half mic pre's and mono channels and if you're lucky the other half will be stereo channels but um the blue box is meant to be that sort of synth players mixer that can record and capture and if you have a mic or something use some offboard thing and bring it into the blue box but we wanted to build the line input only focus thing that just is very rare out there i'm sure your file organization is exactly or not exactly but almost just the same and just as easy as the black box file organization which is another thing that i enjoy about it i can like straight drag and drop wave files you know from whatever folders i have on my computer onto the onto the black box and it's right there time stretches it in the box is that the same with the blue box as well yeah it's using a very similar structure with separate directories for projects you're recording directly into wave files there's nothing sort of inner there you know it's as as soon as you record it it becomes a wave file and you could even stop in the middle and you would still have you know the partial wave file um very much the same project structure i mean we were inspired by things like the raspberry pi where you just drop yeah. a new card in and it becomes something completely different mm -hmm. or things like digital cameras or which are just you know very straightforward you take your pictures and you pull the card out and stick it in your computer and there they are that's awesome man hopefully with a little better naming and a little more you know intelligence so it's not just you know, IMG 3246. It will use, you know, longer file names. It will include the names of your tracks. It will include the number of the takes. So at least you'll have something to start with. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Very nice. Well, I can tell you, um, for instance, when I sit and you, you think about the power and this sort of combo, Yes, right here. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Uncanny. It's uncanny. Yeah, it's a, this yep. is a lot of power in just this small little. This is a big as I mean, my iPad Pro is around here somewhere, and this is not even as as wide as that. And you know, poetry, um, <clears throat> super compact, super uh, portable, and everything. And I think the size is almost you don't realize how much power you're getting when you actually look at the thing. Oh. Yeah, actually, I really enjoy that view there when you've got a like black box or a blue box sitting in the sort of dead space of an older keyboard because it's it's able to, you know, sit places that you know, otherwise would be unused. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the big points of that is that we've we've gone with three and a half millimeter jacks, which certainly isn't for everybody, but there's enough cables in the world that mm -hmm. are like you know yeah. dual quarter inch mono to stereo three and a half millimeters that you can you can get away with that and it sounds sounds just fine and you know makes it a much smaller piece yeah i, I totally agree 
one of the things that I'm finding that's that's really nice on this thing is just like the build quality is very solid, both on Black Box and on this. Um, the knobs are a little bit different on this one, um, but it uh, it's just like a really chunky, solid piece of kit. And, um, you know, Fess, Fess mentioned about how he, he keeps it out of reach of his one-year-old because they could throw it around. Luckily, I mean, aside from, like, if something directly hit the center of the screen or yeah. something, I really don't think you can damage this thing. It's, it's you know, it's the kind of thing you could chuck into a backpack and be good to go, you know? I mean, don't pour yep. any liquids on it. We have seen, we have seen that return. <laughs> the beer that's pretty solid. <laughs> well, well, I've got I've I've got a few sweat droppings on it from from uh, performer with it with the black box rather, and uh, it survived, so it is pretty durable. <laughs> so let let's get a, a little bit of lineage on the product line. So what was the first, and then where where we ended up now is with the blue box. What was the first product? Do you want me to go through the modular stuff as well, or start with? Yeah, the, the modular stuff as well. Okay. Um, so we've built several different modulars now. We started with Bitbox, which is a 24-bit uh, sampler um, based off a of micro SD card. You know, that's all the, everything is stored on the card. Nothing's actually in the device. So you can easily move that around and go back and forth to your computer. So we, we bundle that with a couple of gigabytes of samples, or you can create your own. Uh, as a sampler, it can record in stereo. It's using your rack levels. It's DC coupled. Um, so you can record like all kinds of different stuff. Um, we've, we've heard of people recording mix outputs using that thing. So that's, that was our first product. We introduced that in 2016. Um, it was followed by two different flavors of the same hardware with different firmware on it. Uh, we've got something called Synthbox, which is a polyphonic wavetable synthesizer. Um, after that, we did Effectsbox, which is a multi-effects, um, you know, two in, four out unit that can do sequence-based effects, kind of like Effectrix, uh, Effectrix from Sugarbytes. Mm -hmm. Um, that was the third one. The fourth was Toolbox, which is a utility module, similar, very similar looking, but different hardware behind the, the scenes. It is a uh, 16 element sequencer slash, you know, LFO utility CV sequencer, you know, basically a Swiss army knife in a 26 HP unit. Um, after that, we did, we did some crazy diversions. We tried something that was built on the Teensy. We built a Euro Shield. Uh, product that was something that would host a uh, teensy are you familiar with that mm -hmm. i guess for the sake of the audience it's a um, arduino based um thing that's the size of a stick of gum that you can it uses open source it's a really great place to get started that was actually one of the first pieces of hardware i used when i was doing development work uh embedded work so i mm -hmm. highly recommend that um, we built the euro shield um what am i missing we, we did a diversion and did something um, with lasers called the laser box um, I believe that's the extent of my modules. Am I forgetting anything? I think, the, oh, and then, then we follow that up more recently with Bitbox uh, Micro and Bitbox Mark II. So there's um, two new products as of May of this year, inspired by people want things that are small. I mean, inspired by the fact that the black box did very well. People like to be, save real estate, both on their tabletop and in the Eurorack. Mm -hmm. um, so we built a smaller version of Bitbox called Bitbox Micro. So it's got a two-inch touchscreen. Um, it was inspired by a lot of our customers who seem to only have about half of the, the big brother hooked up at any given time. So that, that's been quite popular. Um, I also forgot to mention a collaboration we did with Media Overkill called the Wave Razor module. Mm -hmm. they, right. Media Overkill have a really cool uh, desktop synthesizer that's kind of like the combination of slicing 
and you know sampling we've got you know a it's kind of like recycle but at the sub cycle level it's like you're cutting up little bits and pieces of of waveform to create a new tone mm-hmm. and you're doing that and manipulating that on the fly so what they did uh, in concert with our hardware was build a really cool like dark module that you can see on our website that um you know richard vine and other people use to create just otherworldly tones so that's something that's that's been you know, well received i believe that's the extent of the modules mm-hmm. um about two years ago we started we were inspired by you know how things are breaking apart how things are breaking out on the desktop you've got you know, i've got a circuit here from novation um i've always been a big fan of the chaosolator um, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of like cool like single purpose tabletop products of course it's got a different set of rules you know defining designing for that market has a few different things for one thing you don't have to put the jacks and the screen on the same plane that's that's a nice thing um there's a little more expectation that it's going to be self-contained and do something by itself it shouldn't have to rely on other things but um like the evolution we've seen in in your rack it's nice that tabletop is kind of evolving to be a build your own instrument albeit on kind of a bigger scale where you're more likely to be combining like an electron piece or a chord piece or you know something else and creating you know this is the drummer that's the keyboard player that's the synth nerd and this is the drummer mm-hmm. um it's so like those things you're buying separate boxes and black box was our first entry into that marketplace so we built a like groove box um again using 24-bit sampling and playback something using a touchscreen using a lot of the same things we learned along the way with bitbox that you know, touch screens are, are, are quite useful, but having some physical buttons is really important, especially when you're talking about a play button. That was one thing that we really missed on, on a piece like the toolbox, that it's very hard to hit play when it's something on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, I'll try to try to wrap this up, but so then That's Black Box was successful. Um, we did already talk to some extent about how Blue Box evolved from that or, or, or alongside that. You just same. You know, we were inspired by the fact that it did well, that people like things that are small, that people were happy to have three and a half millimeter interconnects, that they don't really need mono phone jacks from 120 years ago. Like we can do something a little better than that, a little smaller than that. Yeah. Um, so that that's, you know, a somewhat short story of how we got here. Nice. And let me ask about the the micro. Was the the uh, Bitbox micro? Sure. Yeah. I want to know about that. <laughs> it's it. Is it is it uh, just the only difference is the size and the, the there's fewer jacks or is there something in the firmware that's different as well um, or improved? it's really based on the same firmware so it's you know you'll see very lots of things in common I mean we had to make several adjustments to to deal with the smaller screen so certain you know UX elements you know require there's two knobs instead of four um, you know certain things are smaller and require a few more steps. But ultimately, the capability is the same. The processor is the same. The um, uh, you know twenty-four bit capability, record and playback. Um, you know the, the engine, the underpinnings are the same. But then it does get down to the I/O. You've got you know four audio quality inputs and four CP quality inputs and eight audio quality outputs, which is a different configuration than Bitbox. You have way more CV inputs. You know a few less CV, a few less audio outputs. But um, you know. I think the best summary I can give is that micro is an eight channel sampler and bitbox is a 16 channel sampler. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dope, dope. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. So yeah, that's, that's real. Dope. I got Trevarsley here that says how much she likes the, the blue box. Um, and 
actually let's Thank you, see, <clears throat> let's see Travarsi in action demo in the blue box i'm going to put it up here then we'll we'll check it out right quick like she was rocking it more as a mixer in that capacity right yeah she really was i mean she was doing some some great things with just muting and unmuting and that's a very powerful feature that you know goes unnoticed often um she was also manipulating a lot of the live effects um there's a pretty extensive reverb built into it and and a delay an enhanced delay from what our black box has so she was you know making you know a mix on the fly based on just mutes and effects manipulations including some xy controls on the effects page does the blue box um, time stretch and uh, transpose, or is it no, not it that doesn't. in depth? No, that's it's, that's it's fine. For, yeah, for the the black box will do that, but the blue box is just meant for tracking, just you know, recording right. and playback at the same speed. That's good. So, is there an actual tempo uh, per recording too, or is that like uh, it's just kind of like running like a like a six track just straight? no time-based recording well it is there is an internal uh clock that's okay very similar to black box you've got a metronome you've got you know bars and beats you've got an internal tempo that you can set um to quickly remind myself yeah and you know turn the metronome on and off it's got sync via midi so i've, I've seen people take the midi outputs which are on the you know lower front ken's giving you a view of that um, then use the MIDI adapters and you can drive something else like the hydrosynth you've got there or MPC or something and then get external recordings going you can record in multiple passes you don't need to record everything at once you can combine playback with recording you know it's really you know people have asked for it to become more of a portal studio it's not currently a full-fledged one I mean for example you're, you're having to start from the beginning and and work from there there's not a, like punch in punch out system yet but but we'll see where that heads 
Yeah, I mean, you already got a lot in a small box, so yeah, no. you know. On that, on that same level, um, I know that. Uh, so, so we just talked about how you have all these different Euro rack modules, and you've got the black box, and now you've got the blue box as well. Um, how do you manage? Uh, feature requests and you know updates as far as like like do you go in a in a cyclic form where you're like okay you know we're gonna do this one then we're moving to this one then we're doing this one or do you kind of work on all the ones that share uh, some platform and then kind of try to do them in bulk or how, how does that work for you guys? Yeah, first it's not easy. Thanks for the question. Um, yeah. It is. It is largely what you what you describe. I mean, I find that you know both. You know, as as the one of the only programmers, we do have some external resource doing that with us now. It really you need to. There's only so many projects you can do at once. Um, I generally find with the software we're, we're generally constrained by let's focus on one product on, at a time. Um, thankfully, the the code base is now structured such that uh, Blackbox, all the samplers in Blackbox share that in common, so we can do, you know, implement some new features there like we did in the springtime. Um, and we will soon do again um, and roll that out all at once. But still, to, to test and validate that stuff requires, you know, Steve or other folks going through that. So it's, you know, we're having to, for the most part, like chunk through the different products, like a week or two on this, a week or two on that. And then when we do big releases like the Blue Box, you know, it, it can it can take, you know, three, four, five months of dedicated time to just that. I mean, it's, you know, it, it it's nice to see it finally, you know, nearly finally shipping, but it's, you know, so many small things that come together of, you know, getting it through FCC approval or stuff that's kind of not sexy, but still needs to be done and is important. It takes a lot of time. So yeah, we, we, as far as the feature requests, I mean, we really start with the forums. That's a great place to find what everybody is saying. You know, admittedly like that too, like the list never gets shorter. So we're having to a few times a year, go through that and organize, you know, the, organize those requests into buckets, try and prioritize against that. I mean, largely like new features are in batches, like you may very well see some improvements on the sequencer side of things in the next little bit. Um, that because it's, you know, it's important to, it saves a lot of time and effort to focus in one area and, and then, you know, bang out eight or 10 things at once, as opposed to, you know, taking whatever's popular followed by what's next most popular. Cause that can be, you know, all over the place. Excellent. But yeah, I do want to reinforce like the forum's important and, you know, talking to people, I miss the fact that we don't have any trade shows. It's always great to talk to people like Fess in person and, you know, really get a sense of like what's important because there's, you know, we're never satisfied with, with what's how the state of affairs, it's never completely done. Um, and that said, like features can only be added, not taken away. It's a very difficult thing to have to go back and say, you know, I'm sorry that whatever from version 1.0 is no longer practical. We're going to have to discontinue that. So we, want to judiciously choose what features to add and not not get too carried away but it's it's hard yeah trade shows you guys remember those <laughs> <laughs> you, do you find that when you're when you're looking at the forums um and you're and you're trying to prioritize your your updates or you know be it features uh bugs whatever it is um do you find that sometimes your personal priorities of what you would like to do are at odds with what you see in the forums? I mean, sure. It's, you know, everybody sees it differently. I mean, within the forum, like each person has their own priorities. Um, you know, I'm, there's, there's certain things, um, for the most part, I would say the large, 
majority of stuff we hear is like that's great you know we'll add it to our list and prioritize it accordingly it's it's only you know the things that i would ever sort of disregard out of hand are you know let's take the product in a totally different direction like Mm -hmm. let's take the black box and turn it into a accounting software or something i mean there's like you know that's a, (laughs) a kind of ridiculous example but you know let's make it much much bigger than it is where you know hey there's another piece of gear over here that does that incredibly well i mean that's where it's you got to pick your battles. Sometimes it makes more sense to um, generate another product, to start a new product instead. Actually, one thing I will say, an important thing about user feedback that I have found over the years is that, you know, customers and user feedback are absolutely fantastic for taking you from 1.1 to 1.2 to 1.3 and so on and so on and so on. Like it's starting a new product, like that's a like very different thing. And that's where, you know, if you, you know, in my, some of my earlier visits, like if you listen to customer feedback too much, if you just evolve the product incrementally, like you don't make any big breakthroughs. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, you know, of course, customers aren't happy when you ignore them for some amount of time, but sometimes that's important and necessary and ultimately pays dividends in the long run, you know, like the move to blue box or even black mm-hmm. box. There was, you know, for, for the longest time, people were all focused on your rack samplers. And now that we've got a tabletop one, you know, they're really focused on that. And hopefully that, gives you some insights as some of the challenges that we face in terms of prioritizing and, you know, when to focus on hardware and, you know, how there's, you know, never enough time for, for features and way too many requests to be ever properly handled. Well, I, I definitely applaud you and uh, 1010 starting with you for seeing the market and attacking it early. Um, seeing the market of hardware users who basically want their hardware to do almost any and everything that like an Ableton or a Logic can do. And I know that that's a hard battle, but um, when I think of like the hardware sampler environment now and reading these forums and reading the complaints and and uh, reading the wishes from lots of users of various different hardware samplers, it always more than not comes back to, well, you know, can it do this? Can it do that? And it's always based off of like Ableton features like time stretching or like, or like clip launching or, you know, so, um, yeah, like I really applaud you for, for hitting that right out the bat. Cause, uh, when I, when people ask me about the black box, I basically in a shorthand tell them that it's like a SB 404 with time stretching and people's eyes widen with just that one sentence alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've definitely, uh, I definitely treat it that way as well. Cause like, I don't really touch my 404 at all during performances and whatnot. Cause I don't really need to anymore. That was one of the drawbacks that I've always didn't really like about it. I like to do like remixing live and not have to, um, just adhere to whatever tempo I'm playing for, you know, whatever time that that sample is loaded. So I like the ability to be able to like, like I said, remix and just, uh, reflip things and also be able to do that in a small like frame of you know space on my desk or whether it's on a performance table or whatnot. It's great. I, agree. I think that's one of the um the the interesting ways of looking at it is um when you look at the black box and how it handles samples and things. Um, it's a little bit different than than some of the other gear that I've used before and. If you're if you're doing arranging, um, the fact that you can basically have like kind of I think it's like 16 squares that are all your different sequences that you can quickly jump between, and it's like 
you can basically re completely rearrange your beats, you know, just by tapping out different sequences on, on the screen here. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And like I, because you have those 16 cells per project, I personally, I don't even use the, um, the song mode on black box. Cause I don't really need to essentially, but I see that's, that's where you can get into blue box. And if you have both of them, you know, blue box can kind of be your actual like arrangement view, if you will. And black box is like your clip view. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I, that, yeah. Yeah. That's the way I, I see it at least. And I know a lot of other producers out there and uh, performing artists and whatnot will probably look at it the same way. Well, I'll tell you something like we were talking about earlier um, is one of the advantages too of the, the black box is that like you were saying, it's like, um, uh, SP404 with time stretching and yeah. just, just the simplicity of being able to load an entire song yeah. file into a, a, a clip and be able to launch that. Like I have a couple of uh, presets on there where it's like one preset is a whole album, another mm -hmm. one is a whole album. So if I needed to do something in a compact way, I could take some sort of performance effects and take that and actually do a set. Now, it wouldn't be my normal thing where, you know, like you said, you like to uh, uh, live mix, live arrange and that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, from one perspective, that's a whole use case that you could just, you know, load your, your your tracks onto these to this small box and get out there and perform full sets. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not even necessarily the way you would use it in the studio. <laughs> but yeah. it, it's a dope way to, to, to use it. Hey, I wanted to ask you, uh, we have... Somebody, I put the, the question up on the screen here. Um, actually, Aaron, if you could turn your mic up just a little bit, if you could adjust your volume. See, I'm not sure I know how to do that. I was trying to find my way through the, the interface. Um, and it was, it's, it's, you can, that's cool, but you know, I don't want to cause you any, any, <laughs> any trouble over there. But do you know anything about audio? <laughs> <laughs> But someone was asking, what are the sample aspects of the blue box? Sure. So both boxes, in fact, all our boxes are 48 kilohertz, 24-bit um, stereo sampling. I guess, yeah, in the case of the blue box, it's, uh, it's 12 different channels. But um, that uh, we found that that's more than good enough. I know that some audio interfaces go up to 96, but I quite honestly don't see the point of that. Mm -hmm. um, I did see, uh, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I want to get to a couple of these questions here. Then, I, actually, before we get to a couple of questions, Ken, I noticed you put a, a splitter up there. What's up? Did you? Oh, Probably. Is that, <laughs> is, is that his? Maybe I can take that if you want. To. <laughs> oh, but, okay. so that's, that's from the Sweetwater cal uh, catalog. That's a um, three and a half millimeter stereo to two. Uh, mono inputs. That's exactly what you need for your rack connections because it takes it into two, you know, your rack slots. Sorry about that. I had to run and uh, check on the kids real quick, so I might have missed what you were saying Is there. But... Hair on fire? Well, that's the thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ollie and Kenny are upstairs, and, and those are the two. Those are the two that I actually have to worry about. So because Ollie is almost six and. Kenny's 20 and autistic and uh, they, they like to get into it. <laughs> so I'm always checking on them. Uh, but yeah, th these cables here, um, I actually had picked these up for uh, a, a totally different um, use case uh, for some, from 
some Eurorack stuff that I was doing, and it's it's handy to be able to split things. Um, but uh, yeah, man, the it's crazy how many inputs you can get on this thing by doing that. Like having twelve inputs is just like in such a small device like that is is awesome. And I've also got cables that are um, eighth inch to quarter inch, uh, so you just plug them in and go straight to your any line level gear, and you're good to go. It records your rack level have, too, right? Right. So it's all running at your rack level. And if you don't have those cables, you're just you're constrained to six inputs. But if you want to break it out and get all the way to twelve, you can. Yeah, and one of the advantages to um to the fact that it'll accept uh the Euro rack level is that you're less uh less likely to be blowing things out and whatnot if you're uh kind of getting a little hot and heavy with your gear, you know? So yeah. it's 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 nice to have that headroom, you know. For sure. Can you tell us a little bit about the um? Can can we dive into a little bit of the of the, of the dirty dirty with it? Uh, <laughs> tell tell us a little bit about the audio engine that that you're dealing with here, and and let's let's talk about um because it is a mixer. Let's talk about headroom and compression and and how you're handling these sorts of uh these sorts of challenges as far as mixing in twelve inputs and and keeping a nice uh signal with low low noise and all that sure. good stuff. Um, let's see. I mean, to start with, like, it, it helps having, you know, really clean audio input. We had a, a we, we entirely redesigned the audio section of the board, you know, to get it as clean as possible. Um, so, you know, starting with that, like, get good, clean signal. Um, internally, everything's being processed at 32 bits. I mean, it's a 24-bit floating point number, so you really have lots and lots of headroom. It's more a matter of, like, really the biggest constraint is summing together that amount of, like, analog ins you know, at some point that's going to, to add together um i mean i'm surprised that we haven't had to, to do this yet but i mean like noise gates and various other tricks are, are are there if if you um you know need to try and add more headroom um the outputs i mean running at your rack levels like making that stuff like really hot like sort of makes it so that the noise floor just like you know the everyday noise floor or stuff coming in the door like is you know pretty far out of reach that really helps um, I mean, internally, there's really only, you know, one dual core processor doing all the work that's not being passed back and forth. It's being you know, converted to digital. Everything's happening from there on off. And then it's being output again once. So that's in many ways can be cleaner than an analog mixer because it's only going through, you know, a conversion. And then it's, you know, being dealt with in very deep 32 bit numbers and then being shipped out one time. Whereas an analog mixer, like every time you hand it off, there's the opportunity to, you know, lose signal quality or signal fidelity. Um, any, am I missing anything there? Yeah, uh, I, I would like to know a little bit more about, so the way that compression is handled is kind of separate from the effects section. Um, you have compression, uh, you have a compression on the end and, uh, you can basically say compression on or off on in that area. Uh, what brought about that idea as opposed to having it just be a send uh kind of thing it's like the black um, the uh so on on blue box we did we have actually a different compressor it's if you um if you have it there sitting there in front of you um press the main page and then uh the b button and then if you um now scroll down you'll see a whole bunch of parameters that you know a whole bunch of compression parameters that are now exposed to you that weren't aren't available in the black box 
No, is, not at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's you know quite sophisticated in that you can do like RMS or peak threshold and that kind of thing. Um, you can do look ahead and 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 various other tricks to make it sound as as transparent as possible. Um, we, uh, I guess, this is a trick I picked up, you know, from my native instruments days. That, like, you really, if you want to have something good and punchy sounding, and it's going to have a whole bunch of se separate inputs, stick a compressor at the end, and that really, you know, avoids, you know, clipping. If you know, depending on how you set it, you can get it so that something will never clip. Um, granted, that can be too aggressive, which you know some people argue our black box compressor is too aggressive. Um, but you know here you have control over that, and it is on the master output. Um, with regards to whether or not to do it externally, that's up to you. I mean, with two mm -hmm. stereo effects sends um, and two internal effects, you can you know mix and match how you like. I mean, with the you know, there's each channel could go to an internal delay or reverb. Um, the reverb we've also stepped that up quite extensively. That's that's a much bigger you know, full-fledged reverb than we have on our black box. Um, and that's part of what you heard in the Tavarsi video. Now, I haven't, um, I haven't had a chance to dig that deep into it just yet. I'm kind of just scratching the surface of it. Like, I, I opened it up the other day, and, and this weekend has been, like, my first, like, little foray of, like, oh, let's explore the, the UI on this thing. And it's, it's a little, it's a little bit familiar to the black box, but at the same time, it's also a totally different thing, you know? Um, right. So uh, there, there are some things in there that uh, I'm like anxious to, to get into. I will ask, um, because you have so many different inputs, um, are you able to do any side chaining, like for the like it, to to make it duck? Yeah, currently there's no ducking. Um, you know, that's certainly something that came up along the way. I mean, it would be, you know, we we've got the power with the touchscreen and, and various things to make that a little easier to do than normal. But presently, no. Okay. Yeah, I can I, almost I, guarantee you that's going to be a, a top user request. <laughs> right. I mean, something I haven't mentioned is that it does have MIDI control. So it's got a pretty extensive hookup of separate MIDI controller. Um, you could even do like, you know, side chaining or, or if you use something like LFO tool where it's not technically side chaining, but it's, you know, similar with MIDI ducking, we'll call yep. it. MIDI ducking. Yep. Yeah, you can do that kind of thing if you wanted to. Um, and yeah, because it's got a sequencer inside, you could be chaining or uh, syncing to something else that's driving that. So that's that's actually one of the things that I haven't uh, had a chance to look into at all yet. Um, but can you talk to us a little bit about the MIDI mapping and, and yeah. how that works on this? This thing just keeps so, sounding better and better. I'm like, yeah. I, I need one <laughs> now. <I didn't... laughs> no, the MIDI mapping, um, we were inspired by the more direct, you know, Ableton style mapping where you hit a learn button, touch the control and wiggle the knob and boom, there it is. Um, the most of the controls can be mapped. Um, you know, I can walk, it looks like you don't have a MIDI controller hooked up, but it's, you know, because it's got a device port, you could hook a small USB controller up if you wanted, like, I've got a Personas Atom here in front of me. Mm. Um, another popular one is the uh, Novation launch control, something with eight you know, knobs and faders and, you know, buttons and everything from like mutes and solos to gains and effects ends and, you know, what else? Um, wow. The various effects parameters like can all be MIDI controlled um, in a little deeper, you know, more complete way than on the black box. Hmm. That sounds amazing. Indeed. Yeah, this this is all the kind of useful things that that I envision. So, uh, I, I was actually talking to somebody. I think I think I had posted a picture on Facebook or something, and somebody had commented to me, "Oh, 
you know, nobody ever makes a mixer that has the control surface that I want. And then, and then I was kind of like, well, what, what exactly do you want? Because that, that's a really, really broad term because in the same post, the person had mentioned DJ mixers and I'm thinking in my mind, like rack mixers, you know, and, and, you know, there, there was a separation of, of mindset on how, on how workflows are and how I envision using this thing in my setup. Um, and my first thought was, uh, Korg makes these great little Bluetooth MIDI controllers. And one of them is a straight up mixer, you know, it's got a mixer and it's labeled like a mixer and it's got faders and it's got, you know, mute and solo buttons and all that good stuff. Um, and my first thought is like, dude, I can throw this thing into a suitcase, like literally get like one of those Halliburton style suitcases, some, some Velcro, and I'm a Velcro each piece like into a little suitcase, have like that cord controller. And I have like complete mix control with performance controls of the mixer and everything right then and there. And the person was like, yeah, but I want like crossfade. And I'm like, you can get that too. Like, yeah, that, like this is kind of all yeah. available really. You know, Maybe at some point, else. go ahead. I was going to say at some point you have to start to like learn how to work within you know, the limitations of certain stuff too. Sure, Everybody's going to sure. always want something that they don't have, especially in terms of hardware and gear. It's like everybody wants that all-in-one magic box. Yet, right. you know. But when, you, but when you can MIDI map out, when you can MIDI map out a mixer with all these different controls, though, it, it is interesting how you can make it your own and kind mm -hmm. of work, you know, work things to your advantage that way. And then that device host... Uh, the USB device host on both boxes is, you know, you can't really get more clutch than that. It's like, to me, that is a, a small mini computer that now is hosting a, uh, a mini controller and everything is programmable. Come on guys. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm glad I think so. I mean, we definitely were inspired by the suitcase, uh, you know, crowd that's building custom synths in a box. Yeah. I mean, this is meant for that. Um, and yeah, if you want to sort of hide it and put a mini controller as its face, like that's, that's great, and that's you know something we plan for. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of the Korg Nano controllers. Like they're you know. Yeah, I think that's that's uh, what I was referring to. Let me let me actually pull the 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 controller up that I'm talking about because, like, I just think it's to me it's like a perfect pairing. So I'm pretty much planning on grabbing that. Like right now, I have I have a Arturia Mini Lab controller that I'm going to use with it, but I think I'm going to grab this this Korg thing to to make it happen because it to me it just sounds like. You know, match made in heaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen a lot of great suitcase boxes, and you know, I've also been over the months looking at like, what are you guys using for a mixer? And it seems like oftentimes they have some weird offboard thing, or maybe just a passive line mixer or something. And mm -hmm. hopefully, this will address that. Granted, it doesn't have a crossfader. That's one thing you mentioned that we can't currently do, but you could certainly set up, you know, a control that's you know one, you know, two separate knobs you have to work at the same time. I've been using the MIDI Fighter Twister for the uh, black box. That works well, and actually, it's been working uh, a lot better with some of your newer updates. Like I can actually, it's got push knobs on it as well that I can use to like trigger the clips and whatnot. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so I'm sure that would be that could have the same use with the blue box as well, especially when having like 16 knobs. Yeah, with a setup like that, it like you only it feels like your only limitation. To, to some degree is your imagination and know-how and understanding. Yep. Understanding. Yep. You know what I mean? Because something like that, you have 
uh, the, the black box or the blue box as the, the brains and mm -hmm. have the capability if you have a controller like that that you can throw on and if you know how to program it and, and set it up properly, you got push, you got knobs that twist and push. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a lot of control you can set up. Let me let me add this to the screen. So yeah, this this right here, um, and, and I actually have, have another idea that I haven't tried yet, but um due to the fact that I'm doing beta testing anyway, I might as well try it out. Uh I'm gonna hook it to the S2400 and the S2400 can is gonna be able to do uh MIDI stuff uh with that as well. So and it's practically laid out like a mixer as well. So I'll probably mess with that as well. Um but yeah, like just the fact that how small this is. You know, you can do some some real damage as far as like a performance setup between having, you know, if you've got um, blue box, black box, um, any sampler, any synth, you know, there's so many small products out now, like be it a Volca, be it, um, you know, teenage engineering stuff, you know, uh, what is it? The the live and ape it warps. Uh, I know Corey just recently got one of those things. There's all these like really interesting, super small pieces of gear that, you know, maybe 15 years ago, we wouldn't have really had quite as much of a range like that. But now like that, that really small market has exploded it really and it's just like dude, you can fit in a suitcase now what most people couldn't have fit into a room 20 years ago you know that's true Ken. you know that's something i look at i look at our rooms and i know we have a lot of big gear but the reality is the way the tabletop market has expanded and exploded tabletop and euro rack you could really have our studios that's or some sort of iteration thereof in a, a suitcase or a box or something portable that you can go around with. Just tabletop sense or some iPad stuff or the bit box or black box and uh rack and those combinations of just small dope things <laughs> that you could take out and perform and do like a full fledged like stuff that you know so here's the the thing is kind of like yo we could be in our studios we can create things that are so lavish and ex expansive with all of this stuff and it's always been a conundrum of like but how do i go and take this out and perform it live mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean without it just being a recording of it yep. but now you you have a lot of flexibility in those in yeah it's funny i've been i've been watching recently something in the dj market for a long time and um it's that that space seems to be working very differently it seems like you know djs kind of need to show up and impressed that they're doing something and like that the, all the pioneer gear and the stuff that sort of aspires to be the pioneer gear is like big and chunky and heavy and thick and yeah. you know trying to make a statement whereas it seems yeah. like this stuff is kind of the opposite of that and you know it's it's great to be playing in that space where it's you know more about like how much stuff can i fit on my desk and mm -hmm. what's going to be easier for me to take with me and well one of the one of the other sides of that is um so if you if you happen to be one of those idiots that has too much gear in their studio than they're than they should have when you set up for live shows and you when you want to do a live show you have to really think about okay how am i going to pare things down how am i going to make this work how am i going to make things fit and when you do that you end up creating your performance rig, right? And your performance rig usually means you have to buy at least a few pieces of gear to make it happen, right? Like you, you're going to buy a case that's going to be a certain size. You're going to have this. You're going to have that. That stuff takes up more room in your studio. So now you have even less space. So it's oh, like yeah. 
it's, not only is there a benefit of like performing out with something that like, hey, I can carry it in a suitcase, but also now you can prepare in a way that's not going to completely destroy the rest of your studio. Like your, your actual studio life doesn't have to come to a complete halt because, oh, well, now I got to break out this other mixer and I got to do this and I got to do that. No, not really. Like now you've got like this little mixer. You just plug these cables in. You're good to go, you know? Yep. Yeah. And I, and I, and as one of those DJs who, you know, likes to be doing stuff on stage, I can say that that blue, that blue box specifically can be like a, a, a one box solution for the person who doesn't want to break down their whole studio mm-hmm. to go out and perform. And I think that's like, that was actually the appeal to black box to me. Most people ask me all the time, why don't I just use my laptop in Ableton to perform? And it's like, well, I use my laptop to DJ. I didn't want to have to like rely on that to also perform as well. So that's why I got into hardware. And when the black box came out, I could actually sort of pre-build sets and ideas on Ableton and kind of like sample that on black box and rework it. Now I don't even really have to think about Ableton anymore with this blue box. You know, I can kind of just have all my recordings, if you will, on there. And then after that, drag them into a doll like Ableton or something for more arrangement. And like, I really enjoy being able to just almost crank out full songs without having to turn a computer on. So, um, and there's a lot of people like me that, that, that think that way as well. So again, I just really applaud you for recognizing that that market is out there and it's like, it's here to stay. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, thanks for supporting us. Um, the, I mean, you know, and we're just riding trends at the same time. Like the fact that you can get a $500 box that is essentially a computer that, you know, was as powerful as your phone, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, that's, you know, that a company our size can produce something like this for this price is remarkable and like enables things that wouldn't have been possible 10 years ago. Um, and it's, it's great. And the, you know, the fact that the micro SD cards are so ridiculously big, like just recently the factory came to me and said, Oh, our supplier is discontinuing the 16 gig cards. Can we give you a 13 gig card at the same, I'm sorry, a 32 gig card at the same price? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's, that's right. Know, and that's a space that, you know, I'm sure you remember like, putting samples on floppy disks yeah. and, you know, so mm-hmm. compared to that, it's just light years ahead. I mean, this is, you know, more powerful. The load than time too. The yeah. load time too right. is like, yeah, you can't really complain much about that. Um, you know, I know a few newer groove boxes that have a lot slower long time with a lot less stuff to load than, you know, the black box. So. Hey, I got, I got a question for you about, um, so like while we're talking kind of performance oriented stuff, uh, can we talk a little bit about how recording is done? Like, so say you're in a live scenario like this, um, and you want to track your set. Um, is there, um, so, so basically when you're recording, is it stemming everything? Is it, is it all individual tracks or are we recording mix downs? Like, how is that working? Yeah, I mean, I, I can show you real quick. You just go to the mixer page and then press the record button. Um, press record on the uh, screen, lower right on the screen. Oh, you're okay. Now, basically, tap any of the tracks that you want to record, and they'll turn red. Also, looks like you're running an older version, but uh, yeah, I haven't even updated yet. Like, yeah, I, I'm so just click, getting... click five and six in the M and the M track. So now, now those are record enabled and you hit record and play and you've got those things for, for later use. And you can, you know, the, the master works the same way. So 
in short, you're grabbing stems, you know, and the master if you want it. Excellent. Is that percentage yeah. number like the CPU? Uh, yes, that is the CPU percentage number, but it doesn't appear appear on the uh, 1.0 version. Okay. In fact, 15%, yeah, that's that's pretty low. Nice. <laughs> Lower than I would expect. That is pretty low. Yeah. Thanks. So, yeah, yeah, and you you can make it jump though. I can you can make it jump if you just keep hitting hitting stop. <laughs> yeah, we'll upgrade the build, man. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, uh, that I, I'll be I'll be updating that today too. But uh, like like I said, to me, it's part of that whole like performance thing. It's like you get that great set, and it's like, um, oh man, I wish I had that recorded. And or you do that great set, and you get a front of house mix, and the front of house mix sounds like somebody was in the bathroom the whole time. You know, like yeah. was nobody manning this board? <laughs> Another thing about that too is that a lot of times we find ourselves rehearsing, playing, or jamming at home, preparing for sets. And there's times when I'm like, yo, that was a great take. Like I should have recorded that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was a great set. And and that could be like a release of some sort or whatever you want to do. So it's cool to have something convenient like this that you could just run for your even your rehearsals and your jam sessions in your studio. And, and you never know what you might be able to take from that. There's countless amounts of times that I've said it just kind of patched recreationally, not, not, no real intention, and end up digging what I'm doing and then it's time to go do something else and I have to come back. It's just nice to be able to capture that stuff, have something where you could easily capture that stuff. Yeah, and because the you know, micro SD cards are so plentiful and cheap and you can record that for four straight hours and it, you know, won't be a problem. Granted, it started to take up like four gigs per track, but you know that's doable. I want to throw that away later if you want. I want to ask a question. That kind of this is kind of going back to earlier in the show. When we, you were going through the lineage of your product line, and Synthbox was mentioned. Um, yes. Uh, no, that is not the the one that I wanted to put up there. But let me find it. And there was a thought that like, oh, here it is. So there's now Synthbox firmware you can download with your Bitbox MK2 uh, to take advantage of a better processor, but you aren't selling the uh, Synthbox separately anymore. So that's right. This question came about because somebody said, "Yo, the Synthbox Synthbox is basically slept on, and it should get more attention." So what's the story there? Yeah, um, you know, I, I wish I had a good answer for you. I mean, we we spent a lot of time on that product. Um, I really like it. Um, when we sell them as separate products, it, you know, it, it's, uh, it becomes a confusing message, honestly, when you have like, Hey, this hardware can be two other things, but then it becomes hard to track. Like, well, what are you buying it for? And how popular is it? And should we invest more time and effort into it? Um, I mean, in fairness, we built a, um, polyphonic synth, you know, for your rack. And, you know, I think polyphonic in your rack was a bit of a miss. I mean, people, um, generally prefer kind of monophonic stuff and being able to sculpt four separate voices and, you know, we could certainly a very popular request, which we may still do, is to have each voice be um, addressable separately and have each voice be a separate timbre. So you know, be multi-timbral. Um, we didn't do that. I mean, it's you know, we're we're faced with limited resources and overwhelming requests, and you know, the sampling did much better and took off, and that's why we spent a lot more time on that. Um, you know, is it a sleeper? You know, will we do more with it? We might. I mean, there's you know, still opportunity there. I'm glad we we worked on it. I mean. You know, I, I wish 
everyone can understand that what we're doing here is you know may seem less you know deliberate than it actually is or, or more deliberate than it actually is i mean we're experimenting we throw stuff out there like synthbox and see you know how what kind of uptake is there what how is it met in the marketplace but lots of people use it and synthbox was you know not our most popular product and we we're happy to continue to support it but you know we've, we made the move in the hardware to not have a separate piece of hardware this time around uh, and we'll see where that takes us. I mean, I think it's it's eye-opening to see how even something like the Korg samplers, where they have like, what, it's a synth and a sampler that look almost identical, and yet they're different colors, and they call them different things. And that seems to be the winning strategy, is to not have cross-gradable firmware, because I know customers love it, and I know it makes for a very versatile box, but it makes for like a very you know confusing product line, and you know what aisle do you put it in, and you know what category do you look for it in, and you know, how do people regard it? It's, it's, it becomes very blurred. When we I do that. It's funny. You mentioned that when I see people like cracking this cork box so that they can put the other firmware on them. And yeah. I mean, you know, I wouldn't be against that as a manufacturer, but it's like how much effort do you put into supporting that and promoting that sure. and trying to explain that one thing does two things. Well, what about your, your personal inspiration? So like, uh, obviously work is a whole lot easier when you're, feeling inspired that particular day. Um, I don't know how your mind works, but mine can sometimes be a bit scattered to where I'm like, man, I'm really interested in doing this task today. And that task today might be a task that was probably boring or tedious some other day. And then, you know, bouncing back and forth between different products or whatever it is, you know? Um, so do you find yourself ever like, man, I really want to work on this product, but I'm supposed to be doing this, you know, that kind of thing. I mean of course, but I mean, it's, you know, uh, to try and give you a, a better sense of, of how that goes. I mean, granted, you know, just even being here, like starting a company and making instruments, like that's a huge, you know, huge win. I mean, compared to you know, somebody who works, you know, for an accounting firm, you know, doing, you know, something that they hate. I mean, it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with accounting, but if you hate it, don't do it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're creative people and, you know, we like, we like to do, you know, we get caught up in the, you know, next shiny thing. Um, granted, there's plenty of times when it's, you know, in the schedule to ship the product. I mean, probably the 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 least fun part of, of shipping a product and working in this industry is sort of like the last few months when you're having to, you know, it's time to get it out the door. It's time to ship. Um, so my previous work experience was, was really helpful. And like, you know, you've got to, you know, trim down the bug list. You've got to very aggressively like stop taking on new features. Um, and that's, you know. I guess you more asked what's my inspiration, but um, that that's the the point when you know your 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 baby keeps you up all night, you know, won't stop crying, and everybody tells you it's ugly. That's kind of the you know, part of the process of you know getting the thing out the door. But it's necessary and it has to be done. Um, what inspires me, you know, I like making cool. I like making new and different stuff, and sometimes it's you know, let's build something like you know, let's play with arpeggiation. Let's play with you know, lasers, let's play with, you know, some, you know, some open source thing and try and get it to run the box. It's like, you know, I'm doing this because I love experimenting. I love building stuff. And, you know, it's fun to find the next new thing. And, you know, it's, it's easy to get, it's easy to get overwhelmed with requests and, you know, solve too many of the, try and solve too many of the world's problems when you, you know, what you really want to do is solve something simple and, you know, selfish. Does that answer your sure. question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just looking at it like, you know, you've got this, uh, you've got the synth box, like we, what we were talking about. And, um, 
as more products you know come about as the the brand 1010 music grows and people become more aware of it you've got multiple products out there you've got desktop which desktop is obviously a far larger market than Eurorack. Um, I've been preaching that for years that, you know, a lot of people just like, I, I feel like people know it, but they don't want to admit to it. <laughs> like, it's like, there's, there's a whole huge market for desktop. And, um, but now that the, because of that outreach, you know, the brand is now more exposed, people are more aware of it. And it kind of reinvigorates some of the interest in that first product that maybe was your baby and you're like, Oh, I feel like that baby was a little slept on. And now you're like, maybe it's time to revisit some of those ideas, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I'd say the biggest challenge I have is like how to manage my time. It's like, it's, it's, yep. um, there's so many opportunities. There's so many cool things. Like, you know, you've got to hunker down and get stuff out the door. You've got to, you know, make stuff work properly. There's plenty of things where it's like, Hey, such and such is broken and needs to be fixed. Um, but choosing what product to do next is, is far and away the, the toughest challenge that we have. And, you know, it's, it's even, I'm, I'm inspired by the statement of the problem once solved seems obvious. I mean, something like the black box seems, you know, like a good idea now, but you know, two, three years ago, like, I don't know. And, and to your point about tabletop, like, yes, it's a bigger market, but it's, it's for, you know, those of us playing in the Eurorack space, it's a pretty big step up. Like you better be able to build an enclosure and tackle power supplies and get FCC approval and work more directly with retailers because it's kind of a different channel for tabletop units. So it's, sure. I certainly understand why people don't do it. Um, and you know, why big companies, you know, choose much more carefully. You know, we, we choose not to do certain things and leave opportunities like the blue box open to us because it's, you know, a big opportunity for us, but perhaps a small opportunity for a bigger company who has, you know, bigger fish to fry and can, build on top of their synthesizer line or their interface line or something like that. Absolutely. I got one question here though, that, uh, let's see here. I was asked to ask Aaron what he did for fun over Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> yeah. Is that someone I know asking this question? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. Well, I'll I'll reveal it anyway. I um, was inspired over Thanksgiving weekend to try and get Doom running on the black box. Nice. <laughs> so was that a, um, was that was that a response to seeing uh, somebody getting Doom running on the Pioneer XDJ? <laughs> it's I, I, maybe not that specifically, but I've seen that plenty of places. Um, this feels very know. Paul Schreiber. <laughs> yeah, did he do that too? <laughs> I, I could see him doing it. <laughs> Um, but it was, you know, you get what, you know, what was the inspiration there is to do something wacky and different and something that has no stakes attached to it. Like, you know, nobody's yeah. going to expect like, Hey, where's my CV control over the gun you know, refresh rate or something like that. <laughs> right. Right. You know, just, um, and you know, starting with a clean slate and starting with something you're not going to try and ship, you know, you can just be a lot more sloppy and Dude, it's, it's the fun parts, not the, you know, unpleasant parts of it, you know, or the. The, the work of shipping a product out the door. Um, and it was inspiring to see like what, you know, since Doom's open source, it was inspiring to see what other people had done out there. And, you know, there's all kinds of just cool things to play with. Doombox. Coming yeah, to a Doombox. I like that. Doombox. <laughs> nice. my, son, my son would lose his mind. He's he's literally upstairs playing Doom right now. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Which version he, of Doom? He's, he's a Doom addict. So. Well, let me ask yeah, that's, you, this has been like 
a, a really cool, like there's been a lot of good information that you've shared here. And what I'm interested in is, is where do you see yourself going for here? Without, I don't know, from, from a product design perspective, you, you can't necessarily share what you're planning on doing, but kind of overall for 1010 Music, where do you, where do you see yourself kind of going in the future? Um, great question. And especially having just shipped something, you know, we're really starting to ask those questions of ourselves and, you know, there's not any easy answers. Yeah. Um, you know, I will say that, uh, tabletop and like, you know, trying to, we want to build stuff that's fun, that's inspirational, that plays nice with others. We want to take advantage of the, the trends of stuff that's getting more powerful and less expensive and smaller. I mean, all these things, it seems like there's an opportunity to go even smaller still. Um, you know, there's plenty of things that haven't or that haven't been done well in sort of this form factor yet that we'd like to play with. Um, but, you know, electronic music is a cool evolving space and there's always some new way to mangle your sound. And, you know, it's got to be fun and innovative. But, you know, it's at, at the expense of, you know, I've seen plenty of big companies as they, any company really, no matter of the size, as you build your product portfolio, stuff gets deeper and more complicated and try and like avoid that and try and like, you know, start new points of inspiration like the black box, like the blue box, where they do something, they're in a new category and can start fresh and be a 1.0 and not necessarily be a, um, you know, it's blah, blah, version 12.6. Like, you know, it's hard to get excited about that. Um, you know, that said, like these, these ideas, you know, if, you, if you've got ideas, hit me up. I'd love to hear them. Um, you know, it's something like the blue box isn't, we don't have a huge stack of those things lined up. There's so many different you know, opportunities and various trade-offs and what do we know how to do and recording hard disk stuff or recording stuff to a streaming micro SD card is something we now have some expertise in and can build upon that. Um, hopefully that answers the question. It's just like yeah. continue to try and do new, interesting, fun stuff. And, you know, uh, sometimes defining what that is is not simple. Like you have to explore it. It has to reveal itself to you. It's not simply, you know, here's the master plan and I've got it all mapped out. Well, you know, what I, I think say is uh, yeah. Go ahead, Ken. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I, th I think to to kind of um, help us all extrapolate a little bit from from uh, how your mind is working. Can you tell us a little bit about the music that you like to make and the type of gear that you like to use uh, outside of ten ten stuff? Like, yeah. well, you know, revealing my personal preferences here. I'm a huge Anjuna Deep fan. That's sort of like deep house, kind of kind of trancey. Stuff like I love that stuff, especially because I love listening to it while I work. Um, so that's you know, and you know, I've got some background in, in DJ stuff, and so I, I love that type of music. You know, granted, I also love some classical music and some other wacky things, but like um, that stuff, like what the Above and Beyond guys do. Um, I'm trying to think, there's you know, I'm I'm always inspired by. I remember when Skrillex jumped on the scene, like some of that stuff's like, wow, that's so you know, unbelievably amazing. Um, I mean, granted, that's like more of a data reference now, but what do I like? I mean, it's, you know, I like stuff that kind of like ambient and kind of slower stuff, you know, is really appealing to me now. So, you know, things that will help you build grooves and help you sort of work in bigger chunks. I mean, like I'm less personally interested in sort of like the perfect note that I am, something that sort of like builds a riff or a, creates a vibe or, you know, helps you combine bigger pieces together. Like I was very much inspired early on by the Sonic Foundry Acid that you can, you're taking bigger chunks of things and put stuff together. So that would probably be something where I would spend more time on than, you know, making the ultimate synthesizer. Oh, and 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 what gear are you using currently to to do your music? 
So, I mean, I've got a strange hodgepodge of gear here. I just bought a uh, Korg Wave State, which I actually really like. Um, I've been using the Novation circuit quite a bit. Like, I like how that it's sort of the simplicity of that sequencer and just makes it easy, just like throw together like wacky little grooves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I use live. Um, I, I actually do love a lot of the sort of arpeggiations and the sort of like building block things where you can like drop in, you know, an arpeggiator, a scale manipulator, and throw it into a, re, uh, you know, endless delay. I mean, some of that stuff gets pretty cool pretty quickly. And like, I'm inspired by a lot of that. Um, the I'm trying to think of another reference I've got for you. I guess, yeah, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, I just kind of wanted to, 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 basically draw on okay well this is the style of music you make these are the type of tools you like to use a lot of times that stuff will kind of inform where your ideas will come from and you know as far as like creating new products and whatnot i think um i can i can speak for myself and and probably Corey as well that you know the the gear that we use and the um the type of music that we make informs us as far as like man i wish i had something that could do x you know and what, is there something you'd suggest I go look at? I mean, it's like, what am I missing? Performer is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, performer is really cool. Hydrosynth is amazing. Um, I, I, I actually say that uh, like completely um, honestly and earnestly because I will say that um, one thing that has been inspiring me personally a lot lately is uh, – the polyphonic aftertouch stuff. Um, I'm finding that because I'm not a great player. Um, however, what I'm finding is like you were talking about the ambient stuff and, and just like long evolving things. Um, I really like using long uh, evolving LFOs and envelopes and that sort of thing. And then controlling individual modulation of those sorts of things with like individual pressure is like stunning. I, I absolutely love doing that kind of stuff. And the other thing that I always uh jump into is just like guitar pedals like i love i love a good delay reverb you know i love quirky guitar pedals i'm actually buying a a few crappy ones like (laughs) just because i'm like man i remember in like 90 like 96 i had this guitar pedal that was horrible i want that again so like i'm going back and buying like metal zones and <laughs> like all these like goofy guitar pedals from back in the day that i'm just like oh you know i i discarded this stuff at one point and now i'm going back to it that kind of i love just different effects and that sort of stuff i see some recommendations down there in the the chat try the typhoon mm-hmm. yeah Typh- typhoon from um fun uh yeah it's spelled it's spelled with one oh and i don't know i don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced but um i'll have to ask artemy about that so uh artemy from sign vibes and and the guys from dreadbox i mean that thing does look very cool and it's small so you know you can fit that up with a blue box no problem you know what i wanted to say aaron is that um you were saying something that made me think of this just the idea that whether it's tough or not to figure to to you know, decide this is the product we're going to work on, or these are the features we're going to work on. I think the advantage that smaller companies have and and that smaller companies act on is the fact that you build a community and it's a community that's kind of built around the strength of the product that you're making and the integrity of you <laughs> as a person of the company and inside the company that you've made these great products 
people kind of swoon around and then the dialogue gets bigger and bigger and louder and louder because you're willing to listen whether you use some all or none of it you're willing to listen and i think that's a huge advantage um that uh 1010 music a company like 1010 music has over the big boys because i also think that um you know when you when you're like really one of those large companies I don't even know what the bureaucracy is inside of those large companies and who's listening to what and how it even gets to the people that matter that could implement that stuff. So the fact that you're, it's such a flat sort of, uh, right. you know what I mean? You're there in the sauce with the folks, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Thank you for that. And, you know, I've, I've worked at some of the big companies and, and it's, you know, there's in almost all cases, like really good people with with good intentions. It's it's just that mm -hmm. you know the big company presents a like different challenges. You've got you got to convince ten people to go do something instead of one. Um, they've got you know product lines and you know marketing to contend with. Like, what's this going to mean if we do this and instead of that? And it's just it's just so much harder to get stuff off the ground. It's you know I respect that. And there's certain products that couldn't be done without a big company, but mm -hmm. the the small company opportunities are are really fun for me that we can go do something and. We don't have to convince a lot of people. We can just go do it, and you know, right. maybe it'll be a bomb like the laser box. But you know, maybe it'll be great. So you need to try that stuff and and see what happens. Yeah, I can't tell you how gratifying it is to have a product and have you, the owner and founder, actively responding on the forums and in the Facebook group. It's just it's it's amazing. I've never had that relationship with the gear company without like actually knowing somebody that you know like personally that works for that company. So mm -hmm. ever since I got the black box, I kind of felt like I, I've like known you in a sense because I've seen you respond um, that. so much like on the forums and whatnot. You know, I would say pretty much all your rack is this way. I mean, it's like, you know, I've seen you guys at the, many of the same trade shows and it's great to hang out with people like Paul Schreiber and, you know, the list goes on and on and on of people who are just fun to hang out with and, you can learn from like, you know, some of your heroes show up there, like people like Roger Lynn or Dave Rossum. I mean, like those guys are just really fun to hang out with. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. And Black Box is actually was the catalyst with me getting into the Euro rack environment in the first place. So I was kind of, I kind of got into it around the same time, but with the, when the Black Box came out, it's like, well, I, I knew I couldn't really hold myself back from it anymore because now I have hardware that's made the compliment this environment for me, I couldn't just stop everything on what I was doing with my hardware just to focus on Eurorack. I always needed something to like implement the two. I want to say that this is a moment that you don't often see where the addict thanks the dealer. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Keep coming back. Yeah. Right. Keep coming back. <laughs> Tell all your friends. <laughs> Thank you very much, Fess. I do appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, hey, there was a, there's a great question in here. I want to get it before we close out because it's a really great question. It says, uh, Jay, Jay Neuro, you want to post that one up on the screen for it for everybody to see? It went away before I could click on it. This one? Uh, yep. So, an analog box. Yeah, so I've, so to put some context on this, I've sometimes said that I envy the guys who make analog gear because there's never like, question afterwards of like when are you going to provide free software updates so um he's suggesting that i make an analog box i don't know our, even the name of our company is digital it can be hard to pull that off but i appreciate the suggestion. you know you, let me just say this real quick because i've had conversations with with uh the at the time you know top people over at native and they used to say oh our, our name is native instruments we'll never do a standalone 
and here's well, of machine course that's wrong plus. Now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, don't don't you but, ever put well, that. I, I won't, and you know, never say never. But I mean, it's like you could still argue that they're doing embedded processing. That's like the heart of what they're doing. It's still in that separate box, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was it's in, intriguing to notice like that thing, the Machina Plus is, looks exactly the same as the controller. I'm surprised they made like no different choices of, you know. You I'll know, bite my tongue on just, that. I'll, <laughs> you'll bite your tongue on that. Okay. I, yeah. I, I, I actually, as I heard Aaron uh, saying that statement, I was kind of looking at the top square at Ken like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe you're maybe you're not at liberty to say. I guess I don't have. Uh, no, no, just memory, just uh, any many complaints about the native instruments line. That if it's a dedicated show. That's that that should be. Oh, okay, the dedicated yeah. native instruments. Show. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, hey, Fess uh, and Ken, do you all have anything you want to ask or say to Aaron in closing before we get out of here? Uh, I I, I just want to say. Uh, you know, every time I've I've met with Aaron uh, and Christine, they they just been great people, and you know I'm happy that we could at least see each other again this way, since we're not going to yeah. see each other at Nam, which is sad, but you know it was just great having you on. Yes, thank you for having me. Indeed, yeah, man, it's great it's great talking to you again. Uh, I had the opportunity of meeting you a couple of years ago at NAPCON, so it's cool to see. Yes, yeah, so sorry again. we didn't do that this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I guess before I go, let me ask, like, is there anything that you'd be pointing me at that you haven't already mentioned? Like, what what should I be looking at for inspiration or otherwise? Mm, I don't, I feel like Ken mentioned, like, well, having, having, I've been so wrapped up in performer. I'm just like, everything meets performer. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Hydrosynth, I've kind of been rediscovering again. Uh, and it's kind of been killing my my lust for other scents, like bigger and more expensive scents, because I'm just so blown away with Hydrosent at the versatility. If you can put any bit of elbow grease into designing a patch or doing sound design, you could turn Hydrosent into just about anything <laughs> your your palate can desire. That's a that's a really good choice, and the fact that it's keyboard yeah. and desktop. The the I mean if if you're space challenged the desktop comes in clutch, <laughs> you know. Uh, if you're not space challenged the the keyboard is pretty incredible with the ribbon controller and the, the chord mode. It's a it's a dope sound. I will say one thing that that is really um, kind of nice. It's it's kind of a weird inspirational thing, but uh, it's cool to have. If you're um, if you're using a lot of MIDI in your setup. Um, I got that Mio XL from iConnectivity, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically just a massive MIDI hub and integration suite uh, kind of rack mount thing. That's been really cool to make it very easy for me to, because I like to use multiple different um, center pieces of gear. So like when I work, I tend to like sound design, I'll use a ton of gear, but when I'm actually making music, I like to use like maybe three or four pieces of gear tops, right? Uh, I like to keep it as, as straightforward as possible. And with that, I can take the USB out of that, plug it into my force, and I'm good to go. Or I can plug it into, you know, black box, or you can plug it into anything, you know, that takes USB or even DIN. Um, and I don't have to unplug all my MIDI stuff, which makes it just so much easier in the setup um, to do, you know, cool MIDI routing and whatnot. So I've been using that a lot. And that thing, they make smaller ones too for, for smaller setups, but just having a really nice, you know, MIDI routing platform is, is great. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
you know, I got the smaller one of that, um, the MIDI four, and yeah, I I second that. You could do so much complex routing with that. It's like the most boring inspirational thing to talk yeah. about, yeah, but it's like, like that's, you know, if I had told you the digital mixers were interesting six months ago, you might, I mean, it's a boring category, honestly, but it's you know, can it's something you need. It's something you need. Yeah. Does last question does the blue box have uh class compliant uh interface capabilities uh you meaning blue box being an interface for a computer yeah that's a shame no it doesn't and in fact that's yeah to your earlier point kind of like what stuff that people ask you that you you know try and you know not not necessarily dismiss but try and like frame properly and say like you know this is what it is and this is what it's not yeah. um you know blue box is not an audio interface you know we don't aspire to build something that's like meant to attach to a computer. Um, you know, people have asked for it. I understand and couldn't some situations be, you know, convenient, but it's, you know, we're focused on the out of box experience on the, I know strange choice of words. We're focused on the out of the computer <laughs> experience. And that means not being interface because, you know, it, it brings, it's a huge in, in undertaking to, to implement it. And second, it's like, create so many trade-offs of now you like how do you mix and it's it, it becomes a much more complicated product if you implement it so that's that's why you know we're not focused on that one and you know thank you for the request but i think you know, we'll we'll see where that ends up but no it's currently not yeah no it's you gotta pick and choose your battles like you said right so well listen i want to just throw this up here so uh, again, I want to thank you, Aaron, for coming by uh, the show and having a discussion. It was a good discussion, a lot of cool stuff. And he said, I think people will probably reference this for <laughs> some of the information that you mentioned too. And um, so, and also, I want to thank Christine Higgins in the chat. She's been filled in uh, questions for knocking them out the park. <laughs> so she, she's a big man. <laughs> and let so, me thank. Yeah. Let me take the opportunity to thank you, Ken. Corey, Fess, I appreciate the time. It was a fun opportunity. Really good to be here. Nice to actually see people and have a conversation when we can't quite do that in person right now. Yeah. Yes, Thank you for having me. Thank you. And man. thanks for all the good questions. It was it was very thought-provoking. Yeah. And so for those out there that want to uh, check out the blue box or the black box or the bit box, go to 1010music.com. I got that shared up on the screen and then you kind of get a little more of uh, very informative website, got all the stuff and then check out the forums too, because there's a lot of in, in the community, there's a lot of information there and a lot of people sharing and helping. And, uh, you know, Aaron is making regular appearances in there as well. <laughs> so, all right. Thanks everybody. We're going to sign Thank off. Thank you. Right. Take care.